Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the drama, the decisions, and the politics that go with being the head of marketing at any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite. I'm Mike Linton, the former Chief Marketing Officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Rob Chestnut. Today's topic, protecting your business integrity, advice from a former general counsel and chief ethics officer. Rob has had numerous positions that make him an expert on reputation and integrity, including general counsel stints at Airbnb and Chegg. He was the head of trust and safety at eBay and spent 10 years as an assistant U.S. attorney in Virginia. He also wrote a book called Intentional Integrity, which talks a lot about business leadership and choices and also integrity. Full disclosure, Rob and I worked together at eBay and I really admired how he and his team managed in what was a super challenging environment from pretty much all sides. Welcome, Rob. Mike, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Nice to see you. First question. Hey, why don't you just give our listeners a brief overview of what you really mean by integrity? Because that's a word with a lot of potential definition. Well, yeah, integrity is an interesting concept, and it's uh, about doing the right thing. But doing the right thing is uh, different depending on your background, your culture, your religion, your upbringing and the like. So we've all got our own uh, concept of what integrity means. Uh, but I think, you know, look, operating with integrity is sort of figuring that out for yourself, uh, defining it for yourself, uh, and then making choices that are consistent with that definition of integrity. Uh, it, it's it's interesting, Mike. You don't have to be uh, perfect to have integrity. It's not about uh, someone who never makes a mistake, because we all make mistakes. We're all human. So I think uh, operating with integrity uh, means a recognition that you're not always going to get it perfect. You're going to slip. You're going to make mistakes. But it is about having the self-awareness to realize when you have made that mistake uh, and then recommitting uh, to get back on track again. So so let's talk a little bit more about, about this, because I think every company and every employee or most of them actually believes they have integrity and that they act with integrity. And, and the way you've just defined integrity, it's still kind of, you, you got to figure it out on your own. Tell us, you know, how does a company even grapple with this? And then while you're, while you're on that, is integrity a situational or variable thing, or is it a fixed thing? That's a lot of questions. So That's a lot of questions. Mike. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, mean, I, I loaded that up with like six one. <laughs> One You're going to go take a break. I'm going to talk. Yeah, for I'm going to go get a coffee right. and you answer this one. You know, uh, in, integrity in business. Look, we all think we've got integrity. Uh, yeah. Everybody thinks that they're a good person. Uh, companies have to grapple with this uh, because uh, you want diversity in a company, right? You, it, diversity is critical uh, to make good business decisions. You need people from different backgrounds, different cultures. That does mean that not everyone is going to agree within a company on what integrity exactly may mean. Right. That's why I think it's important for companies to define what they stand for. You know, 
what, what do you stand for? What do you uh, what do you exist for as a company? And if it's just to make money, I don't think you're going to be as successful as you could be. Uh, every company needs to define why they're good for the world, why they exist. Because look, employees want more than a paycheck. Employees want to work in a place that changes the world. They want to make a difference and have a positive impact on the world. And consumers want to do business with companies that have values aligned with their own. So uh, look, I, I think for companies, it's up to the CEO and the board, you know, working with the executive team to define that mission, to define why you exist, what you stand for, and then make decisions as best you can consistent with that mission. As diverse as your employee base may be and as diverse as your customer base may be, hopefully everyone's aligned on those values. So the one thing everybody in your company, all the employees ought to be agreeing on is um, what your company's mission is and it's good for the world. Can you give us a good example of that from one of the companies sure. you'd either work with or, or, or one of the ones in your book? Yeah, let's take Airbnb. I mean, look, okay. when, when I first saw Airbnb, I thought, well, I get Airbnb. You know, Airbnb is about uh, efficiently using an underutilized resource, you know, an right. empty room, an empty apartment and the like. I got there, though, and, and found that it was really something quite different. Um, I spent time with Brian Chesky, you know, the founder, CEO, yeah. right up front. And it was about, uh, it's Airbnb is about connecting people. And let me tell you a story, Mike, around an interesting, you know, sort of ethical uh, circumstance that came up at the company that illustrates the mission. You know, when I, my first month at the company, we started getting uh, reports online of discrimination against guests guests of color, right? And guests of color were reporting that they were having a tough time getting accepted on Airbnb because of the color of their skin. Wow. And it, it was, um, it, it gained steam, it gained momentum. There was a hashtag Airbnb while black. And, you know, as a company, you know, we started looking at, uh, looking at this and it didn't want to believe it, to be honest with you at first. Um, and then as we started looking at the data more, we realized that, you know, there was something there to this and whether it was intentional on the part of some host or in many cases, I think some hosts may have unintentionally uh, has subconscious bias toward people that look like themselves. There was some discrimination. So, you know, Mike, I went off as I was the general counsel. So I went off and did what any good general counsel would do. Right. I started <laughs> doing my legal research. Of course, uh, Airbnb, yeah. <laughs> all right, is Airbnb legally responsible if some of its hosts are biased, uh, unconscious or consciously? Is Airbnb subject to housing discrimination laws as a marketplace? What is our liability? And, and those hosts are contractors too, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. Well, that, they're not, well, they're, they're yeah. Not, yeah. They're not employees of ours. And look, just my, saying, our terms yeah. of service said you can't discriminate, right? Everybody right. agrees so. So I go in to talk to Brian Chesky about this. And I, st I start going through the law. Brian looks at me, holds up his hand and says, stop, I don't care. <laughs> I said, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean you don't care? And Mike looked at me and said, Rob, Airbnb exists to connect people. Our mission is to get people from, to get out from behind their computers, go travel to a place they've never been before, connect with people who are different than they are. And he said, so if something like this is really happening on the site, we are failing as a company. And I don't care what the financials say. See, he said, you go off and deal with the legal stuff, but we are going to fix this because we have to. So and how did you fix it? How did you fix well, it? 
you know, that that's a journey, right? Because in part, yeah. you're, you're looking at, uh, look, there, there's discrimination everywhere. Human right. beings, whether it's conscious or not, are, are naturally biased toward people who are like themselves. So, you know, we, we did what any company would do. We put together a group, task force, and we, <laughs> and we brought some folks in from outside the company because we thought we needed help. I think yeah. one reason existed at Airbnb was, you know, we weren't as diverse as we needed to be on our board and in our executive team. So we brought in um, Laura Murphy, for example. She was uh, ran the NAACP uh, Washington D.C. office. She helped us. Um, Eric Holder, and you know, we we started exploring um, the, the concept of of discrimination. Well, like one thing we did was we said, look, we're we're going to make everybody stop and take a pledge, and it's not going to be buried behind some click agreement. We're actually going to put it right up front. And everybody who comes to the to the site to use it is going to have to agree to a non-discrimination pledge. I will accept all, regardless of the color of their skin, their religion, uh, their race, and the like. And we lost about one and a half percent of our user base in a month, just yeah. because certain people, some people weren't wouldn't agree to that pledge. And Brian said, I don't care. And then what we did was we stopped, we took pictures off. So you couldn't see the picture of the person uh, who you were making a decision on about whether to accept. And we just gave you the first name. So and that, but this is, and that, so, and then, so I'm assuming the problem is much, much fixed or. Well, it's a lot better, Mike, but you know, what's interesting. Never fixed. Yeah. It's never fixed. In fact, I, I spoke to some users of color who didn't like the change. And I said, well, why? And they said, you know what? Um, as a person of color, uh, I want the host to know that I'm a minority because I don't want to show up at someone's door and have them open it and look at me and not want me to be there and be unwelcoming. So some, I mean, to be honest with you, Mike, it was, there was controversy around this because uh, you know, some people are like, well, I shouldn't have to hide my name or my picture. I, I, I get this because there's never a decision like this that doesn't have conflict in it, no matter what. And then we haven't even talked about the fiduciary impact of some of these. But can you can I can I pile on on this one? And since a lot of our listeners are marketers or ad agencies, write the marketers and agencies into this discussion like. How we, we talked about integrity, we talked about the example, right? These players that are right up against the marketplace and the consumer and the company into the story. What should they be thinking about here? Uh, they, they should be thinking because it's a challenging <laughs> environment, Mike. Uh, you know, again, everybody's got their own definition of what integrity means. And as a marketer, of course, you want to uh, to take your product and you want everybody to use it. So you're trying to get the widest possible audience, um, but but recognizing that some people might not be aligned with your mission, some people you know might be turned off uh, by the way that you portray yourself. And first, we we could see that at Airbnb a bit, right? Airbnb took stands that not everybody loved, and we were okay with that. Um, but in some cases, look, you know, take Bud Light for example, right? Bud Light wanted to. Um, to be as broad as possible in its marketing. But that can backfire on you if you end up appealing or intentionally reaching out or appealing to a particular group 
that may be offensive to another group. And everyone thinks they've got integrity and feelings are strong in this regard. You know, Disney has certainly struggled oh, in yeah. Florida, you know, in the same area, you know, because you know, Disney took took a stand that was important to the company. And that stand was directly contrary to uh, the politics in the state of Florida and the governor of Florida. Uh, and so, look, it, it's a challenging world in marketing because um, you people respond to values-oriented advertising uh, as long as those values are consistent with their own. Right. right? We um, had we had a show on this where uh, a business professor, Kim Whitler was talking about it and said, unless it's really core to your company, you shouldn't be doing it because it's an asymmetrical risk. And if you don't haven't thought it through, you should not be doing it. You, you got to uh, think it through, Mike, and you got to define your mission. Uh, I, I'll take a position that is the corollary uh, yeah. of that view. And that is, if it's important to your mission and core to your mission, you must take it. I agree Even if there's a short-term hit, like Airbnb took a short-term hit for its strong stance against discrimination. You know, Airbnb did one of the great Super Bowl ads of all time. And if yes. your, your uh, listeners should go look at it, it was a 30-second 30, uh, ad uh, around belonging and acceptance. Uh, and the ad didn't mention, didn't have a, a word in it. And it only had the Airbnb logo appear briefly at the end, but it highlighted and, and doubled down on this idea of belonging and acceptance being core. So I, I think it's understand that essence of your company, uh, double down on that because you have no choice. That is why you exist as a company. Uh, when you start getting outside that court, I mean, for example, should Airbnb be taking a stand on gun control? You know, probably not. It's probably not. not. Yeah. It's probably right. It's not a critical core to its mission. But if it's critical and core to your mission, you must do it. Uh, even if there's a short-term hit, because I'll tell you, Mike, even though there was a short-term hit for Airbnb, we, I think, all firmly believe that in the long run, it was the right move, even financially for the company. Yeah, because it's foundational. It's foundational. It's totally foundational. And I think a lot of people really respected the company for doing it. Hey, so if I'm the marketer or the agency here, is my responsibility to be on point for this? Or is my responsibility to be informing the company of what is happening in oh. the market and where my consumers are? I, I, it depends on the company. I'm just calling my general counsel immediately whenever right. I want no, no. anything. You don't want the now lawyers. Now that we you like the advertising, of course, we're calling you. Um, you don't want your lawyers making these decisions. <laughs> like, you know, I, I think as a marketer, what you've got to do is you've got to ask the questions and make sure you understand what the company stands for. And maybe the company hasn't thought it through in a while. Maybe it, its mission is bland. It doesn't really speak to what to, to the heart of the company. And maybe the marketer's got to say, look, if you want me to be able to market you effectively, you need to understand you. And then when you understand you, I have to understand you so that I can do the best job in marketing you to the general to, to the world. I've got to give you a double question on this. So if I'm the marketer and I think um, my belief is not with company. What do I do? And the second part of this is if, because you get a lot of different players and, and a lot of different things and you, you can say maybe, you know, that has happened in some companies we we already talked about. If I, and I, if I think that company is virtue signaling versus actually backing its mission, what do I do? Well, if you're in-house, you're probably working at the wrong place. 
Okay. Right? If you're if you're a chief marketing officer for a company, hopefully you are working at a place whose values are aligned with your own values. And like other employees at the company, uh, you want to make a difference. You you want to work for a place that is sincere about its values and its place in the world. So, uh, as a chief marketing officer, I think you either have to you have to uh, push and and talk about uh, not virtue, not, not just signaling, but really meaning it. Uh, and if you're an outside firm, again, this is part of the the vetting process and the hiring process of getting your outside marketing agent. You want an agency that's bought in, and the agency wants you know should be looking for a company that are, that works and operates consistent with its own values. It'll be a more effective relationship. Okay, I have to I have to go and to ask you about the PGA uh, live you know the, the the golf merger and brands advertising there and the safety issue and the integrity and ethics issue all wrapped up in that. I, I can't possibly not ha- let our listeners hear from what you. A, on that. What a what a mess! And I, I think this one is um, this one is so difficult and so challenging because of the amount of money involved, right? Yeah. When there when there is so much money on uh, on the one side in this case, it can really force an, uh, another organization to make decisions maybe it doesn't want to do. I, from everything I've read, I'm not sure the PGA wanted. Oh, I'm them. sure. I'm sure they did not. Yeah, uh, right, but yeah. they had no choice, right? right. When, when you are a nonprofit, the way that the PGA Tour is, right, and you have li- a limited uh, bankroll, and you are facing litigation on multiple fronts from uh, really one of the wealthiest organizations in the world, right, uh, and that is you know the, the Saudi Fund, um, right. You 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 may not have a choice simply because the amount you you would have to literally go out of existence in order to to stand by your values. So the world that, that I think it's a very unusual situation, Mike. But there are certainly times where the world may push you to change what you stand for, or it may it may force you to do something you don't want to do, and you may have no choice because the only alternative is to go out of business. That's that's interesting. So that's where the fiduciary and the core business is running up against the values in a way you are going to have to pick. Yeah. And, um, that's interest. That is a very interesting concept. So and now now knocking on the door, right? We have to now go to social media and talk about that. And now social media has always been hot. Now you're throwing in AI and the political situation with TikTok. Tell our listeners how they should be thinking about this and how they should be just practicing for what this is going to be. Taking just a brief step back, uh, the world we live in online uh, is is really all about getting our eyeballs and everybody wants to, wants to get another minute of our attention that we want to get another click. And therefore social media sites in particular, but all sorts of sites are presenting us with things that they know are going to appeal to us. Yeah. They've learned what our, they know what we like. They know what we click on. And That's so we know all our listeners wanted to see a general consul interview. So yeah. here it is. Oh yeah, here it is. That's right. This is <laughs> the clicks you're going to get for this one, right? This um, red hot, baby. Red hot. So um, you are getting fed, not a neutral version of the world, right? 
you're getting fed a a version of the world that uh, artificial intelligence knows is appealing to you. So uh, we are all living, I guess, in our own news bubble, in our own social media bubble. We are all getting a version of the world and a version of the truth that is appealing to us, uh, appealing to our values, appealing to our definition of integrity, right? Um, and what that means is that um, we are we are looking at an increasingly divided world. You know, the, the irony, we are connected today uh, as a world uh, more tightly than we've ever been, thanks to the internet and communications. But we are more divided than ever, but each see our own version of the news. We don't even agree on the facts anymore because- I agree. We only see the facts that- <laughs> Right, that AI knows are appealing to Exactly. So put the marketer in the middle of this and, and say, what should I be doing knowing this is probably only going to get worse? Yes. Uh, re realize that we live in this, this sort of a divided world. I think just having an understanding of that is important. People don't fully appreciate the fact that they are being fed a version of news and a version of the world that is very different than what other people are being fed. Um, and, and, and what the consequences are for society uh, and what the consequences are really, I think, for marketing your products. Um, people aren't, uh, when I was growing up, Mike, look, there was um, three, what, three news stations, one newspaper. I'm not uh, going to date myself. I'm not going to date myself by agreeing yeah, with you've you. You've heard of Walter Cronkite. I'm sure you, you never saw Walter Cronkite. You can Walter go, you can go like ahead I, with this. Yeah. Right. But we uh, all had a common, we had a common denominator. We all had a, a common vision of the world. Today, Mike, we are all our own news station. I, I carry a, my new my, my camera crew with, I'm with me you. on my I'm hand, right? Wherever I go, it's called my cell phone. And th this world, that means the, the level of transparency is incredible. There are no secrets. You know, in, no integrity secrets. used to be doing the right thing even when no one's watching. <laughs> Today, everyone's everybody's watching. watching everything. So, so, so let, let, let's go into a story from this because where, where this what this says is you're going to have to accept the world as it is, which everyone has their own news and everything's pretty much public sooner or later, most likely sooner. Tell us what's the most interesting ethical debate, because here comes the ethics thing right down the road that you could talk about on the air. Well, let's talk about something, Mike, that will appeal to marketers, uh, and that is. Uh, in the face of, uh, in this new world where I think integrity is more important than ever because look, transparency, stuff doesn't get swept under the rug anymore. Yeah. Now, um, companies are pushed to operate with integrity uh, more than ever. Uh, it, it's not just about making money. Uh, and, and so look, if employees don't like what's going on in the company, what are they gonna do? They're gonna they're gonna start blogging. They're gonna publish it. it. They're gonna publish. They're gonna it, publish yeah. it, right? This Susan Fowler, what her her single blog post completely altered the course of Uber. Yes. Um, if they don't like it, they're gonna print out everything, or they're gonna copy it onto a disc or download it somewhere, and they're gonna take it to Congress. So in in this new world, in this this there's an incredible level of transparency. That's well, we never, have the Facebook papers too. Yeah, six the Facebook minutes. papers. Sure. Yeah. This level of transparency, Mike, is something that's never existed before. Um, and, and so the pressure is more and more on companies to do the right thing as defined by someone. 
marketers are going to be under a lot of pressure. Uh, and we, in fact, we've already seen this in this new world, right? Um, you know, one, one area that we're seeing now is uh, like auto renewals, for example. Uh, right. you know, the Federal Trade Commission uh, is going is cracking down on uh, auto renewal of subscriptions, uh, which, by the way, is going to have significant consequences for business. Uh, these past, a lot of right? people are paying no attention to that. As soon as you get a chance, you're going to not. Subscribe. No idea. Right. They don't even know what they're subscribing to anymore. And businesses are making money from that. And the, the, the marketers are going to be pushed. Look, marketers were, were pushed uh, when it came to uh, use of data and email, right? Yeah. In, the, in the early days, you were automatically put on an email list, whether you like it or not, and right. trying to get off of that email list, good luck. Now there's a single unsubscribe button. Now you can't be auto-added to these. Or oh, you know what it is, push unsubscribe and we'll sell your data to everyone. That's right. So, <laughs> I, I, Mike, I think you're going to see more of this. I think the, uh, the government... Uh, regulators, and by the way, your own employees aren't going to like some of these uh, on-the-edge uh, techniques that will increase revenue this month or this year. But like I, I call it dirty money. The, the money that you make from auto-subscribing people who aren't using your product at all, it, it's dirty in, in, in that it is short-term and will ultimately hurt your brand. And it will be part of a movement the other way that will make your life tougher in the long run. So I agree. I understand where the world is moving. Understand well, don't, take the, don't take advantage of your consumers because you can. That's but, exactly right. Because so, it, it will come, it will bounce back. It'll come back and it'll hit you. So let's in the we're 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 running up against time. And I know you have a lot of funny stories. <laughs> I know you have a lot of funny stories where choices came or situations were un, unheard of when they came. Tell us the funniest story you can tell on air. Well, you know, Mike, because you and I both came from eBay, I'll pick an eBay story. You know, one of the interesting uh, jobs that I had at eBay was ultimately I was the person responsible for deciding whether we should allow an item on eBay. Now, yes, I, I first, remember that. When I first went, came to eBay, there, there was a philosophy from our founder, you know, Piero Midiar, that yeah. if it's legal, we're going to sell it. If it's legal, we allow it. Now, th there was a lot of cloudiness even there because, you know, what's legal in, in when you're selling an item uh, from one country to another or from one state to another was challenging. But even getting through that, uh, we started getting pushed on this. And I'll never forget one day, uh, I got a call from the customer support group um, we had these item. We had these meetings called gray item meetings. Items that, that were hitting customer support that were causing controversy, and we would go through them. And one day, one of the calls came in, and it was for an item from someone who had gone to the Vatican and had gotten communion from the Pope. And and instead of taking the wafer <laughs> and, and putting it in their mouth and eating it like you're supposed to do, but this person had taken the wafer and slid it into their pocket. And of course, went out and put it on eBay as you know a, a wafer blessed by the Pope that you know you could now bid on on eBay. And look, and Mike, you know, this is illustrative of the challenges when you know you're you're a single person making a decision on this. You don't know everything. I wasn't Catholic, so I I'm still not Catholic, yeah. and so I didn't appreciate this. My view was the Pope gave it to him. Yeah. 
He can do whatever he wants to do with it. It's certainly legal. There's no law against it. Let him sell it, right? So the bidding started going up, up, up. The items started getting a lot of attention. Uh, The Catholic Church reached out uh, and initiated a boycott, a global boycott against eBay, because in the Catholic Church's uh, eyes, we were selling the body of Christ. It was literally the body of Christ. Uh, And that really forced us to start taking a tough look at uh, items that were legal, but uh, offensive to a number of people. Uh, Items like a painting from a uh, a painting from prison by someone who was um, a convicted serial killer. You know, should we be selling that sort of thing? And I I think it it really, things like that, we ultimately uh, decided that we would not sell the wafer and we took it down and we, uh, devised a policy against items that were raising money uh, from, a, from serial killers and the like. Um, you know, World War II Nazi memorabilia uh, was one that came up. And should we sell these as historic relics or are they uh, offensive, so offensive due to their past that we should uh, stop selling those? And ultimately, we made a decision to stop selling those as well. So I am 100% certain we could do an entire show on hilarious stories from eBay, because I I know you haven't put all of them up there. I'm saving it. I want you to invite me back, Mike. I'm saving some for next time. I do remember when I was at Best Buy watching eBay, because you had so much PR from that stuff, where on the, like, one of the USA editions had the toasted cheese sandwich that looked like uh, the Pope or something. Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary grilled cheese. Virgin Mary, that was it. And I'm like, these people are getting press off of a toasted cheese sandwich and we are selling like thousands of TVs and computers and we can't get this kind of press. They're yeah. feeding us with a toasted cheese. Yeah. And uh, um, anyways, it, it's a, that's a great story. We're out of time, but I'm sure we'd love to have you back. Um, thank you, Rob. And thanks to everyone for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for more of our shows on Evergreen at Spotify. Apple Podcasts and YouTube, which include a data scientist turns investor, talks about technology. An experienced CEO talks about marketing measurement and the future. And a top B-School professor shares research on brands taking a stand on social and political issues. Thank you, Rob, for joining us. And hey, all you marketers, be safe out there. This is Mike Linton signing off for CMO Confidential. Today's episode of CMO Confidential is brought to you by CMOcoaches.com. Are you a current or aspiring chief marketing officer looking to take your career to the next level? You should work with a CMO coach. CMO coaches are former CMOs who are nationally certified coaches. So whether you want to improve your leadership skills, develop your team, or drive better business results, we have the experience and expertise to help you succeed. To learn more, visit us at cmocoaches.com. Great careers are forged out of great relationships. Your success, whatever your field, relies and thrives on the support and insights of others. I'm Andy Laparta, an author and speaker on the power of professional relationships. In the Connected Leadership podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing people from around the world to understand the relationships that have made a difference on their journey and how their insights can help you. From Nobel Prize winners to Olympians, from NASA astronauts to peace campaigners, my guests have shared some captivating moments from their lives and careers. 
Combined with experts from leading universities, cutting-edge authors and giants of business, the Connected Leadership Podcast aims to inspire, educate and entertain. Hi, my name is Sarah and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing Business Bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.